Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays. Yes, indeed, I am locked on the Toronto Blue Jays, and I am thankful that you're choosing to spend part of your day talking Toronto Blue Jay baseball with me. I am a long time, and I think you'll find, if you haven't already found a passionate, I, I hope you would say as well, knowledgeable Toronto Blue Jay fan, and I'm really looking forward to the ins and outs of and spending the 2023 season with you. Have high hopes. I know it's a last place team right now. I do know that. I know you do too, but have high hopes for the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. And for those of you becoming everydayers, making the Locked On Blue Jay podcast your first podcast listen every day, certainly want to thank you there. I want to remind you that, of course, the Locked On Blue Jay podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also have a lot of great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, other baseball shows like Locked On MLB and Locked On Fantasy Baseball. For those of you who are hitting that subscribe and leaving those comments and those likes on our Locked On Blue Jays podcast YouTube channel, I see you and I thank you. The The podcast is growing. You're, you're right there, you know, big part of it. And I really thank you and appreciate you for that. How about the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays? What have we seen lately? Oh boy, wow. How about the offense, right? The first segment here, let's go ahead and, and look at some of the offense. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Locked Over, uh, sorry, Locked Over, sorry, Locked On Rays. We're going to continue that crossover conversation to really deep dive and get you set for Barrios versus Taj Bradley tonight. Game two of this series, Blue Jays at their house of horrors in the, in the trap, right, in, in Tampa Bay. But I wanted to start by taking an overview of what we've seen so far from the offense. A lot of chatter going on, rightfully so, about the steps backwards and the struggles that this offense has had. You know, we we just figured that from a power standpoint, I mean, every day as we'll remember, we talked about this a lot just before the season started when we were really getting ready for the season. The the, the moves in the offseason, surely the power, I know, don't call me Shirley, right? I know, but surely the power was going to take, you know, some sort of step backwards. But we hoped that the, the new base running and the new defense with the new base running, there's going to be, you know, it wasn't home run or bust anymore. It's going to be a, a different ways to manufacture runs. So even though the offense might take a slight step backwards, it would just be different. It could still have a chance to be very effective, right? And it was going to be made up for because of how good the defense was. Well, even I, I mean, I, I firmly believe that that would be the case. And I, I did not see this this regression uh, coming. The, the offense is... The, the Toronto Blue Jays are always in the in the top tier, you know, top three or four of every offensive category. Have been for several years. They're in the middle of the pack of all the offensive categories right now. And, and you talk about the power, you've got to go back to 2014 to see the last Toronto Blue Jay team that didn't hit at least two uh, 200 home runs in one season. Of course, 2020 not counting there, right? The COVID shortened season. But yeah, you have to go back to 2014 for the last Blue Jay team that didn't hit at least 200 home runs. This year's Toronto Blue Jay team on pace for just a titch over 170 home runs. Now, I do want to mention something here because the one thing that I think is a little bit under the radar right now when it comes to the Blue Jays' power deficiencies in 2023, it's sort of been coming. It's sort of been coming. You know, I say 2014 is the last time they didn't hit at least 200 home runs. Well, last season was their lowest in ages, and it was right at. It was exactly 200 home runs. So there actually have been some steps taken backwards with the power, certainly with the consistency of the power. But but again, th this was going to be a team that was offensively was still going to be good, just differently. Well, how about what we just saw on this 10-game homestand? This was supposed to be, um, if the Blue Jays showed up for every game on time, this should have been a minimum 6-4 and four homestand, right? It went 4-6. and six. And Remember, it started 3-0. and oh, And the culprit, bullpen had its moments. Starting pitching had its moments. That's all very, very true. Like in the bad categories, I mean, that's all very, very true. But the offense was completely, completely unacceptable. Could you say downright pathetic? I mean, 3.6 runs per game over a 10-game homestand. They scored 36 runs over a 10-game homestand. The power's not been – I mean, Vlad's still at zero home runs this season at Rogers Center, by the way. 
So I'm right there with you that the power's taking steps backwards, but man, the hitting with runners and scoring position has been abysmal. The Toronto Blue Jays this season are leaving a, a little over four men in scoring position every single game. As you might imagine, that's unacceptable, yes, but and as you might imagine, dead last. That's dead last in all of baseball. Again, power taking a step backwards i'm not stunned but what about the approaches at the plate i thought i really i thought this was what don mattingly was going to be so helpful with don mattingly was a runner in scoring position machine because he thought the game and he always had a good approach i've not seen that yet with the 2023 toronto blue jays last season the jays hit 258 with men in scoring position that's that's downright respectable this season 235 and 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 it is cut and dry it is cut and dry when you look at the actual stats in wins and losses Blue Jays this season alone, 2023, 293 team, hitting 293, extremely legit with runners in scoring position in their wins. In their losses, 156. 156 with men in scoring position in their losses. Again, let, let, let's look at the homestand we just had where we should have seen a lot of momentum gained offensively and, and it went the exact opposite route. In that homestand, the Blue Jays, 22 for 111 with runners in scoring position. That's a batting average below 200. And in those seven games against New York and Baltimore, 12 for 74, that's a 162 average with runners in scoring position. And you'll remember, take your mind's eye, take your mind's eye back. You remember a few of those hits were little infield dribblers. It's like three or four of those, maybe even five, as many as five of those 12 hits. And by the way, 12 hits in 74, I mean putrid. And a bunch of them were little infield dribblers that didn't that, that didn't even score the runs, right? Advanced the run or something, but didn't even score the runs. If let, let's let's deep dive the the individual players, right? Let, let's see who the culprit is this season. Well, George Springer, Bobachet, and Vlad, the top of the lineup. Would you believe they've all taken steps forward with their hitting with runners in scoring position? Now, Bo's been outstanding. He's taken big steps forward. But all three of them hitting much better this season with runners in scoring position. Matt Chapman, great April, horrible May. So overall, his overall production has been the same as it was in the past. Dalton Varsho. And remember now, of course, Varsho's hit fourth or fifth. He's hit in RBI spots in this lineup all season long. Nine for 56 with runners in scoring position. That is a 161 batting average. Not a whole lot better. The guy that hits right around him as well in the middle of that lineup, Brandon Belt. Are we happier with Belt lately? Sure we are. But overall for the season, 5 for 26. 192 batting average for Brandon Belt with runners in scoring position. Alejandro Kirk, a hitting machine in the past. 7 for 34. That's a 206 batting average for Alejandro Kirk with runners in scoring position. And of course, I mean, Espinal and Biggio. You're not even going to be surprised. Espinal and Biggio combined with runners in scoring position this season, they're 7 for 43. It's a 163 batting average. You're not even surprised. You're not even surprised. They are so bad. They are so bad. Base running, like any team, has had its ups and downs, but really for the most part, the base running has been downright good, really good, you could even say, for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's the hitting with runners in scoring position, and I know many are going to think that the outfield changes are the culprit to the offense overall. Well, let's deep dive that. Last season, the outfielders combined to hit 263. This season, they've combined to hit 255. Now, Varsho is going to improve, and Kiermaier is going to you know, step back a little bit, so it, it'll probably be right around that pace, but that's the same pace as last year's outfield. Last year's outfielders hit 57 home runs. This season, the team on pace for 48 home runs, so a little bit less in the power. Yes, just like we saw coming, just like we saw coming, but the, the base running has been just sensational, and the defense has been sensational. You talk about that, that base running. Last season, the Blue Jays outfielders attempted 40 stolen bases. They made 29, were caught 11. This season, Toronto Blue Jay outfielders, 26 stolen base attempts, caught twice. 
caught twice, 24 for 26. And you look at the, the runs, just getting on base enough to score the runs. Last season, the Blue Jays outfielder scored 251 runs. This season, they're on pace for 246. A lot of areas, surprisingly, this Blue Jay outfield is on pace for the same production as last year's outfield in other areas like base running and defense. It's superior to last year's outfield. So it's not that's not the culprit. Outfield is not the issue. There are two positions, though, I do want to deep dive. Catcher spot. Wow. Last season, there was not a position on the team that was that was better for the Toronto Blue Jays than the catcher spot. Last season, the catchers combined to hit 286. Outstanding. This season, that's down to 223. 63-point dip. The on-base percentage went, has gone from 360 to 306. 54-point dip. And the OPS, so how about the on-base plus some, plus some power hitting here? Oh, boy. Wow. 824 OPS for Blue Jay catchers last season, 660 this season. 162 points, uh, 64 points, sorry, less than last season. The catcher spot has been a, a, a black hole for any sort of offense. Wow. And, and Jansen, uh, you know, worth worth mentioning, Jansen's had some big hits in there, right? Let's acknowledge that, absolutely. But overall, the Blue Jays nowhere close to the sort of production from the catcher spot that they got last season. Last season, Blue Jays got 25 home runs from the catcher spot. This season, on pace for 16. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Second base is the other position I want to talk about. And I know that's going to surprise a lot of people because a lot of us are, are, would think that Whit Merrifield's having a good season. And overall, he sort of is. But Whit's numbers have come as good numbers when he's been in the outfield. Let's deep dive this. The Toronto Blue Jays last season, their second baseman combined to hit 272. I mean, very legit. Very legit. This season, Toronto Blue Jays second baseman hitting 193. And yes, Espinal and Bijou are in there, but so is Whit. Whit Merrifield as a second baseman this season's hitting just 227. Just 227. And that, that surprises me. Just 227. As an outfielder, he's 22 for 70, which is a 314 batting average. When Whit's been in the outfield, he's been hitting. He's not been hitting as a second baseman. Speaking of not hitting as a second baseman, Santiago Espinal. Remember, we just saw him go three for three before he had to, to leave the game with an injury. So hopefully he's starting to heat up when he gets back. But he's just 12 for 54 this season. He has one double, 11 strikeouts. Kevin Biggio. When he is and sorry with Espinal, that's when he's played second base. Biggio, when Biggio has played second base this season, he's at 37 at bats. He has three singles. No, no need to wait for me to, to go on and continue. That's the end of the list. Kevin Biggio at second base this season, three for 37. All singles, 14 strikeouts. Coming up on Locked On Blue Jays, we're joined by Locked On Rays for a crossover conversation to really deep dive and get you set for Jose Barrios versus Taj Bradley tonight. Reminder, you can take in that game on SiriusXM. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, SoRare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. SoRare recently partnered with MLB All-Stars Juan Soto and Julio, Julio Rodriguez, wow and wow, to serve as brand ambassadors, both are featured in SoRare's current brand campaign and will engage with SoRare community throughout the MLB season at MLB events. SoRare MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three or four day cycle. At the end of the game week, SoRare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include SoRare scarcity cards, 
game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting these MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. And now we turn our attention to Tuesday's pitching matchup, Jose Barrios versus the rookie Todd Bradley. Now, with Barrios on the road so far this season, Kevin, wow, feast or famine. Now, he did face Tampa back in April and pitched well, but, you know, that was that, that was at home. Gave up just a one run on the four hits and five innings pitched. No walks and six strikeouts. And what's significant there, Kevin, it's, it's Barrios' only start in his last 23 Shout out to, to Anthony Davis, number 23. Come on, Lakers, got to get it going. But that's a different – sorry, that's a different podcast. Sorry. In his last – in Brios's last 23 starts, it was the only time he did not walk a batter. The slurve and the sinker doing well for Brios so far this season. We know the issue with him. The question with him is where's the location of the fastball? That's always going to be the question with Jose Brios. That's where he gets himself in trouble. When he lives on the corners, he can be very good. When he's when he misses his spots, which is all too often, then those one run innings become three, four, five run innings. Now, when when as I say, when he gets in trouble, he misses that fastball. Now, misses a spot. Sorry. Now, now, Kevin, what Ray or Rays do Blue Jay fans need to be concerned about? Because from what you've seen so far in 2023, when that pitcher is when that opposing pitcher is missing his spots, this Ray or these Rays uh, aren't may aren't missing these mistakes. I mean, I'll tell you, Craig, I. I I, I don't like a broken record here, but you could basically say one through nine, just anybody in the Rays lineup. They're they're capitalizing on mistakes. I mean, if there's one guy that I mean, two guys that are the most professional and most disciplined and, and have it all together, I would say Yandy Diaz and Wander Franco. But um yeah, that that's kind of my answer for that. Um just about everybody has improved in, in one shape or the other as far as uh pitch recognition and um and capitalizing on mistakes. Let's stay on Wander Franco for a minute then, because I, I'm such a fan of his. Uh, somebody has him as their fantasy shortstop. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of Wander Franco's. Uh, the uh, I think he has you know top tier, if not top shortstop, you know uh, upside and caliber. Where are you on Wander Franco, Kevin? Big picture wise, do you think he has the potential to be like a top three, literally shortstop in all of baseball? And what are you what are you really looking for? Because it's 2022. I mean, we know there are reasons for it, but there's no way that was up to his standard. So, what are you yeah. looking for, expecting from 2023 Wander Franco? Uh, I would expect him to be uh, getting MVP votes at wow. the end of the season. We've definitely seen more power from him. Last year, he was a guy that uh, kind of drove the ball into the ground a little bit too often. He had a great hit tool and, and contact ability, but um, he just wasn't lifting and elevating the ball quite enough. We're seeing a, a different case of that this year. And then defensively has really grown in strides. I mean, his range is unbelievable. Some wow. of the plays that he's been able to make this season, if you look at Savant and look at the numbers up and down, if there's anything, maybe, you know, drawing a couple more walks, but it's it's really tough to nitpick at that. And he, he still kind of sometimes gets squeezed by the umpire as well. He hmm. gets cheated to some extent, but um, I, I'll mark it down that he's he's eventually going to have a couple MVPs to his name. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to be one of the greatest baseball players we've ever seen. Wow, calling a Hall of Famer, calling one of the greatest we've ever seen. Kevin, I'm not even mad at it. I'm a huge Wander Franco fan. Yeah. That, and on the I mean, mound, there's a reason that the Rays, as penny-pinching as the Rays are, <laughs> very early on in his career, yeah. they have guaranteed him over $180 million. 
Very good point. Yes, very good point. Actually, Kevin, you know what? Let's just stay there real quick for a sec, because I'm 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 of the of the mindset that these aren't your your grandfather's Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, they were in on Freddie Freeman. You, you you've been in on some yeah. on some big priced guys. Is the uh, are you seeing a little bit more spending in this budget, or or is it more just one offs? If they think that the the player is a perfect fit, they don't mind spending a little bit. No, I mean, in this last offseason, we saw a couple extensions with Yandy Diaz and Pete mm -hmm. Fairbanks. And um, before that, Manny Margot, they also gave the largest free agent contract that they've ever given as a franchise to Zach Eflin four years, $40 million. So we are seeing them spend money here and there and um, really invest internally. I think that's also gone a long way with this franchise of keeping the core, keeping uh, the same players around year in and year out, as opposed to it being a revolving door and, and giving players on the present roster and on the come up a little bit of confidence and, and um, you know, just saying that, Hey, maybe that could be me one day. Maybe I can get that sure. 20, 25, 40, $50 million contract. Um, so you know, I think that's that's a big thing as well. We also saw Pete Fairbanks. I don't know if I mentioned him already. Pete Fairbanks getting extended. I mean, we've seen over the last couple of years, they, they've been doling out quite a bit of money. I know that they get a bad rep and a bad reputation because they are so frugal and their payroll is one of the lowest in baseball. But um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, come this offseason that they look at maybe extending a, a Josh Lowe or a Taylor Walls or somebody of that elk as well. Wow. I mean, I got to say that's awesome. I don't want it to be awesome, Kevin, but it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And then I think some of it too has to go with them trying to build up some, not sure. saying it, it's just all done for nefarious reasons, but they also want to build some, and I, and I think they, they realize that they've got something here with Wander Franco and Randy and, and the whole group, but um, they also want to build up some goodwill and some equity as they tried to leverage public financing for a new ballpark, a new stadium in the Tampa Bay, St. Pete area, wherever it may be and saying that, Hey, we've invested, we're spending money. We're not just letting this thing go and we're ready to bring a lot of joy and excitement and passion into a new ballpark in 2027, 2028, et cetera. I don't want to admit that's awesome, Kevin, but it is. It's very cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, I just I I, I hate the race so much because they're so <laughs> good, but I respect the absolute heck out of that organization. Wow. Now, in, uh, so we talked about Barrios tonight at the uh, no, sorry on the Tuesday game. Now that uh, a Taj Bradley uh, opposes twenty two year old rookie, yet another example of the Rays pitching machine. Like here here comes another stud uh, up to the big league level, making his fifth start of the season. The only game the Rays have lost was his last time out. That was a 3-2 loss to the Mets. He still pitched well in that game. Now, he's had everything working so far, Kevin. That's what you got to be impressed with, right? That four-seamer, that cutter, that curve, that changeup, it's all been on display. Normally, a pitcher this young, this inexperienced, is kryptonite for the Toronto Blue Jays. We we never seem to do well against pitchers like this, but usually it's it's particularly true when they're soft tossers. Mm. Taj Bradley, of course, is, is is a power pitcher, right? He's running that fastball up there in the in the mid to high 90s. So if I'm the Blue Jays tonight, I'm really looking to to pick out that fastball. Had two starts at home, two starts on the road. Now, the two starts at home, I mean, he's been a strikeout machine home or away. But the two starts at home, Kevin, haven't been nearly as sharp as the two starts on the road. So what are you looking for tonight from your rookie starter? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that um, it's interesting because Todd Bradley got a couple of starts, then he was sent down to the minors and just recently called up and had a really good showing against the Mets. But um, I, I would expect him to go, you know, five, five and a third, and hopefully uh, he can settle into the home confines of 
Tropicana Field. I think it, it comes, he's getting this started at a good time as the Blue Jays are reeling and struggling offensively, that this yes. is an opportunity <laughs> for him to, to really do well. Because um, I, I think the Rays have done a good job of trying to work him in, ease him into the sense of, you know, he started against the Reds, he started against the Mets, the Mets aren't you know, aren't doing well either this season. I know he had to start against the Astros as well, but um, I think just trying to put him into good, comfortable spots. And and I think what could really be key, um, just like with a lot of uh, young pitchers that are, you know, just getting their, their first uh, opportunities in the big leagues is if the Rays can capitalize and score early on Barrios, get up, you know, get up three, four runs, whatever it may be. I think that could help Taj Bradley settle in and settle down, but uh, you are right. He is a power pitcher. He's got the fastball up in the zone. That's where he likes to locate it. Um, and really uh, the key is the, the, the growth and the development of the secondary pitches that it, you know, he's got four pitches as we see right now, but how good are those four pitches? Uh, you know, you might want to see some more from the curveball and the changeup as he uh, develops as a pitcher. So, um, but I really no complaints. He's been really, really solid uh, this year for the Rays and, and they're going to need him. They're going to need the 22 year old to step up with, without the likes of Jeffrey Springs and without the likes of uh, Drew Rasmussen and temporarily without Tyler Glass now. And real quick, because I definitely need to know this, I think Blue Jay fans interested as well. What what is the deal with Glass now? What sort of timetable are you looking at at this point? Well, I I hear that he had a, a good start in Durham, um, so I, I would imagine uh, before the end of the month, maybe wow. uh, he could he could get that opportunity with the Rays. Um, originally, uh, before the season started, it, it was said to be mid May, but of course that timetable has been pushed back. But yeah. it seems like more and more. Uh, glass now discussion is is on the forefront so i would imagine within the next couple of weeks wow i mean yeah. as, as a blue jay fan i'm certainly not excited kevin but again you know these things are important to us someone's got him on their fantasy team yeah you know these things, right you know these things are important to us as well <laughs> yes absolutely Coming up on Locked On Blue Jays with so much doom and gloom historically for the Blue Jays versus the Devil Rays and now the Rays, especially at Tropicana Field. I wanted to go over a few things of real significance, a few good things, right? An actual good category of significance when it comes to these two teams in the favor of your Toronto Blue Jays. This Romano Jansen bobblehead, right? Love, absolutely love that. Now, how did I get tickets to that game? Well, that was on GameTime.co. I used the GameTime app. Buying tickets to your favorite events, it should not be stressful. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. I've been to a few Blue Jay games this season, and literally every time, use the Game Time app as I've been really pleased with how easy it is to use. Forget about planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. Well, it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. It's two taps and you're all set. Tickets sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and and redeem the code locked on MLB for twenty dollars off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
Man, Tropicana Field. Said it before, you'll hear it a billion times because of how true it is. House of Horrors for the Toronto Blue Jays. We were talking the other day as well here on Locked On Blue Jays. If, if you're old enough to remember when there was the American League East, American League West, National League East, National League West, so just the four divisions, and the Milwaukee Brewers were in the American League East with the Blue Jays. This is in the uh, 80s and 90s. Then you remember that's how the Milwaukee Brewers were against the Toronto Blue Jays. didn't matter where the teams were in the standings, who had a better team, who was playing better baseball at the time, coming into the series. Nothing mattered. Milwaukee always beat the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, that's how it is with the Tampa Bay Rays. I, now, I, I did want to touch on and highlight some some good, some great moments actually in Blue Jay history that do have to do with Tampa Bay Ray. Let's get some positivity going in here when it comes to this matchup, right? The Blue Jays won the season series from 98 to, to 2002. So that's Tampa Bay's first five seasons. The Blue Jays won the series, uh, the season series, all five of those seasons. But there have been 20 seasons since then. The Blue Jays have won the season series against the Tampa Rays just four times. Even the playoff teams that have happened, the Jays have had four playoff teams lately in, in 2015, 2016, 2020, and 2022. Even those four playoff teams, those are playoff teams. They combined to go just 30 and 39 versus Tampa Bay. And those those four playoff teams played 37 games at the Trop, won just 15 of them. <laughs> I mean, then I say it does not matter who's playing, who, who's got a good team, man. These guys always beat them. But there was one epic moment and Toronto Blue Jay franchise history when it comes to them and the Tampa Bay Rays. How about the most home runs in one game? Who has that distinction for your Toronto Blue Jays? Carlos Delgado, exactly right. Carlos Del Suato, right? Against the Tampa Bay Rays in a game back in 2003. And of course, you know, four home runs, you get four total bases for every home run. So that's 16 total bases. That is also the Blue Jay single game franchise record for any player, right? In, the, in that same game. You know what's crazy about that game? Pete Walker, yeah, yeah, that Pete Walker. He was the starting pitching for, starting pitcher for the Blue Jays in that game. In the first inning, Delgado had a, a three-run home run, scoring Catalanato and Wells. That was off Jorge Sosa. Uh, leads off the fourth with a home run off Sosa. Then the bottom of the fifth, Blue Jays had a big lead, but Vinny Chulk in the top of the fifth, if you remember Vinny Chulk, he surrendered that, that lead. Now, Delgado in the bottom of the fifth would give the Jays the lead right back with a leadoff home run. The teams would exchange runs the rest of the way. And then in the bottom of the eighth, the game now tied at seven. Delgado again leading off the inning. Again, homers. So Delgado, four home runs in one game. And all important home runs too, right? The first home run gave the Blue Jays the lead. The third home run gave the Blue Jays the lead. The fourth home run gave the Blue Jays the lead. The fourth home run would end up being the game-winning home run. Carlos Delgado. Carlos Del Suato, right? How about the first Grand Slam, the first walk-off Grand Slam in Toronto Blue Jay history. That was when Greg Zahn, who spent time as a Blue Jay and a Ray, but this was, he was a Toronto Blue Jay. And you know what? We can be friends. Shout out to you if you remember this game. I remember watching this game at my aunt and uncle's house. So shout out to you if you remember this. This was in September of 2008. Uh, B, uh, BJ Ryan, you'll remember him, of course. BJ Ryan blew a 3-0 lead in the ninth inning. There was a key error in there by Joe Inglet at second base. Yeah, that's that's the 2008 Blue Jays there. Oh, boy. The Devil Rays would take the lead. Now, it was Deanna Navarro that would give them the lead. Now, ironically, Navarro would be not once, but a two-time Blue Jay in the in the seasons that followed this particular game. He would get an RBI hit off of Brian Tallett. You remember that the, the big 6'6 lefty Brian Tallett? Again, this is all back in the day stuff, right? So the Rays would take a 4-3 lead. Then Troy Percival. Do you remember the closer, Troy Percival? A longtime California Angel, then Anaheim Angel, of course, and uh, finished his career uh, I believe his last two seasons, he finished his career uh, in, in, as a closer for the Tampa Bay Rays. In this season, in 2008, Percival had 28 saves, 
four blown saves that season. Ironically, two of those blown saves were versus the Toronto Blue Jays, one of them being this one, as he would load the bases, and then Greg Zahn, uh, there would be a walk to load the bases, and Zani went up there, switch hitter he was, right, batting from the left side against Percival the righty, and he was looking for that first pitch fastball, got it, and just smashed it. He was looking for it. He, he had in mind what he, what he was going to get with that first pitch. The, you know, Percival just walked the bases loaded, nursing a one-run lead. He's going to try to get ahead with a quick strike here. Zani was ready for it. Wow. That 2008 Blue Jay team, you might remember, that was the season that uh, uh, John Gibbons, or one of the seasons John Gibbons was fired and Cito, and one of the seasons where Cito gassed. I know that happened a few times, right, where Gaston took over midseason. That that was that 2018. Hit by pitcher is 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 pretty significant between these two franchises. Reed Johnson and everydayers will remember we talked about this this uh, the, these three games of Reed Johnson before. He has the franchise record for being hit by a pitch the most times in one game. Three pitches, yeah, he was hit by three pitches in one game. Would you believe it happened actually three times? Uh, one of them was against these then Devil Rays. And Blue Jays' franchise record for hitting batters in a game is also three. It's happened three times, and two of those times were against the Tampa Bay Rays back in 2001. They were lefties, too, both of them. Chris Mahalik, do you remember Chris Mahalik? Obscure Blue Jay. That was back in 2001. Now, you'll remember Mark Burley in, in 2015. He hit three Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Not a whole lot going right for Toronto Blue Jays baseball these days. Not a whole lot going right when it comes to the history of Toronto Blue Jays versus the Tampa Bay Rays, but hopefully had some fun there with with some – it was almost like a throwback Thursday there, right? But I just wanted to inject some positivity here on a Tuesday to show that, hey, some good things have actually happened, believe it or not, when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays versus the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and now the Tampa Bay Rays. And that'll wrap up Tuesday's episode of the Locked On Blue Jay podcast. Later on this week, joined by Cespedes Family Barbecue. I mean, how exciting is that going to be? Definitely make sure you tune in for that. Also joined again on Wednesday and Thursday with a a Locked On Rays for crossover conversations to get you set for those games. Mentioned earlier on in the show, I'm going to mention it again. If you're a fan of baseball, keep it locked on the Locked On Podcast Network and check out Sully at Locked On MLB. If you're a fantasy baseball fan, Keep it locked on the Locked On Podcast Network Network, and check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. And, of course, remember, every single Toronto Blue Jay game you can take in on SiriusXM.